Amen. First John chapter 3 verse 1. I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture in your hearing. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a few moments on this Resurrection Sunday morning on this subject. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. Could we just lift our voices together in praise and prayer unto the Lord. God, we thank you for this day. This day that even as the sun rose this morning, we take time to remember that you, the precious Son of God, rose from the dead. We thank you for this that you have done for us. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather in your presence, to hear your word, to deliver your word, to receive your word into our hearts and our minds. Lord, we love you today and we give you all praise and glory for you alone are worthy. We ask for an anointing upon the remainder of this service. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning in the name of the Lord. One of the amazing scriptural accounts in the Word of God can be found in the book of Daniel. There are many... Uh, there are many uh, miraculous accounts of, of God moving in the lives of people throughout the scriptures. And, uh, and yet, one stands out to me today as I consider this statement. What a statement. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, and what a statement that is, that, that we could be called sons of God. This, this Old Testament scriptural account stands out to me because in this account, it, 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 it comes into a period of Israel's history where they're held in captivity. And they are being held by the Babylonians. And they are strangers in this, in this land. And they are keeping true to the God of Israel. And remaining true to their devotion to Him. But, but nonetheless, there are these moments of great temptation that, that occur even in their uh, existence in Babylon. One of these moments came when King Nebuchadnezzar had had built a mighty statue, a, a, a large statue that was solid gold. It resulted from a dream he had had that, that the golden statue in the dream only had a head of gold. And, and the descending statue from the shoulders on down to the feet were various metals and they lessened in value as, as the body would, would descend. It was silver and brass and iron and then clay. And, 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 and when Nebuchadnezzar heard this, he realized, and it, as it was interpreted to him, that this represented that his kingdom was going to be removed and replaced by another kingdom. And to kind of spite that, even though it was true and it would come to pass, he didn't like that thought. And to spite that, he built a statue that wasn't just, didn't just have a golden head. It, it was gold from head to foot. And he said, I will show you what I think of the interpretation of this dream. I, my kingdom will never be taken from me, is what he was trying to say. And he said, furthermore, I want everyone in the kingdom to bow down and worship this statue that is of me in this solid gold. And, and they played the music. The music was the cue. Everybody has to bow and worship. And everybody bowed and worshiped except three men named 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or as their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were taken into Babylonian captivity. They did not bow. Now they knew that the penalty for not bowing was to be cast into a furnace that burned with fire. And yet they still did not bow. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged. He said, if you don't bow, I will cast you into the fire and I will, see, I will heat it up seven times hotter than what it was before. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still would not bow because they were devoted to the Lord and only the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar did, in fact, cast them into the fiery furnace. It was heated up seven times hotter than what it had been previously heated. The men throwing them into the furnace died upon encountering the, the suffocating flame. And, and yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace and did not die. Nebuchadnezzar peered into the fiery furnace for curiosity's sake and saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire walking alive and well. And furthermore, there was somebody in there that he didn't throw in there. That would be alarming. And he was alarmed. And he said, could somebody explain to me why we threw three guys in the fire and now I see four men in the fire? And could somebody explain to me why that fourth man looks like the Son of God? Now that is a powerful statement, that he looks like the Son of God. Because Nebuchadnezzar was not a prophet in the sense that he, he was actually a, a heathen king. He was not a prophet in the sense that he, was, he could foretell uh, who Jesus was or foreknow who Jesus was. This was hundreds of years prior to Jesus entering into the world. Nebuchadnezzar's statement was not that he understood who Jesus was. His statement was, there's only one type of person who could withstand the impact of a fiery furnace. Who could walk around untouched by the flame and undaunted by the ferocity of this fire. And that kind of person is a son of God. So whoever this fourth man in the fire is has to be someone who is a son of God or has power or has dominion or has authority over the flame. Because it is true, ladies and gentlemen, that... That a son of God has dominion and has authority that comes from the Lord. Now the first son of God that we uh, encounter in the scriptures is a man by the name of Adam. Adam. Paul warns in his letters, he warns that we be careful not to enter into vain babblings or vain discussions about endless genealogies. And our world is filled with vain debates and disputes about endless genealogies. Claiming that genealogies go so, 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 so far back into the billions of years that you can't pinpoint their origin. And that is not the truth. We can pinpoint the origin. The Bible gives us the genealogy that dates back to the very beginning of time. The scripture says, and I won't read all of them because it gives the actual genealogy that dates from Joseph, who is the carpenter, supposed by them. The Bible says, as was supposed the father of Jesus. We know that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Amen. But we see the genealogy from Joseph all the way back to Adam. I'm not going to read that on this Sunday morning. But I'm going to read the last three verses of it. Luke chapter 3 and verse 36 says, The son of Canaan, which was the son of Apharxad, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Melilio, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. God is the first and the last. Oh, hallelujah. God is the beginning and he is the ending. 
God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. He is he which was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Oh, glory to God. And so God created Adam to be the Son of God. And he gave Adam authority. He gave Adam dominion. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. This is very important, especially in today's society. Each person, male or female, has a unique reflection that they offer of the glory of God. This is why the enemy wants to confuse genders and try to somehow create a confusion within the mind of an individual as to whether or not they are male or female. Because he knows if a male ever begins to reflect the glory of God as a man of God, and if a woman begins to reflect the glory of God as a woman of God, they will be some witness, some kind of a testimony, some kind of a light that can shine in the darkness. Amen. Sir, go ahead and be the man of God that he's anointed you to be. Ma'am, go ahead and be the woman of God that he's anointed you to be. And show forth the glory of him who hath called you out of darkness and placed you into his marvelous light. Oh, hallelujah. God gave man dominion. Adam had dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And over all the earth. In fact, at this point in time, Adam could not die because death had not entered into the world. There was a day and an age where death had not entered into the world. Now that might sound just unthinkable to you and I. Because we are so immersed into a culture of death and dead things. And we're used to dead ends. And we're used to dying relationships. And we're used to a death way of thinking. Somebody said all good things must come to an end. That's because of the death culture in which we live. A culture that tends to dying, that tends to death. That all came once Adam sinned. When Adam was disobedient. It changed everything. It was not when Eve was deceived. I'm sorry, brethren. I need, to, I need to help you today with your theology. The Bible specifically says that sin entered the world by the disobedience of Adam, not by the deception of Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. Adam knew exactly what was going on. He willfully, knowingly partook of a forbidden fruit. And he ate of that forbidden fruit. And it was by the disobedience of Adam that sin entered into the world. And the scripture says that death came by sin. Sin does not travel alone. Beware, weary traveler. When sin shows up on your path like an oasis in the desert, it is a trap of the enemy. It is some kind of a snare of the fowler. That's an interesting word, term, snare of the fowler. The Bible says if you'll let him, the Lord will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. But the fowler is a, is a hunter who hunts birds. You were made to fly. You were made with wings, if you please. God desires for you to have peace and to have hope and to be full of life and to be full of joy and to have such a wonderful destiny that he has provided for you. But the fowler is hunting those who are destined to fly. Beware the snare of the fowler because there is death associated with that sin. Adam, the moment that he sinned, 
Everything changed. The Bible says that God came down into the garden as he had at other times. And he came communing with man. You see, before Adam disobeyed and sinned, he had a communication with God. There was a relationship with God. There was no question of who am I? What is the meaning of life? What, what, what purpose do I serve on this earth? If I'm just going to live and die, then why, why even be here? There were no questions like that because he was not supposed to die. He was only supposed to live. If you don't think it's unnatural for a person to die, because some will say, oh, it's just as natural to die as it is for people to be born. But that's a fallen nature. That's a result of, of our sin. But the fact of the matter is, in God's original plan, we were only supposed to live. You shouldn't know what a tombstone is. You shouldn't know what a mortuary is. You shouldn't know what a, what a, 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 a cemetery or, a, or an obituary or a, 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 a hearse or what have a funeral procession you shouldn't know the protocol of stopping your car and waiting for the funeral procession to go by all of that should be strange to us this is why death is so agonizing this is why nothing affects a person like the loss of a loved one affects a person because it is unnatural to you it is like tearing a part of your soul out of you you were not supposed to die and they were not supposed to die it's a trick of the enemy that anybody ever died sin brought death into the world so when you hear preachers preach against sin don't get mad at the preacher the preacher is not trying to take your toys away from you the preacher is trying to deliver you from the snare of the fowler the preacher is trying to say hey look listen I know it appeals to you. I'm human. You're human. We've all sinned. Don't take it as condemnation of who you are. Each and every one of us is prone to commit sin. But to preach against sin, that's not hate speech. That's love speech. Telling somebody, you're so close to the cliff. Come on back. Come on back from the cliff. Now, a lot of preachers will stop preaching against sin because people will say, I, I, I won't, I, I'm not going to sit there, preacher, and let you just tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. I will, I will not come back next week. <laughs> and, preachers, and preachers will sometimes succumb to that. But, but listen, you've got to understand, to preach against sin is so vitally important because sin is the door death uses to come into your life. The sin that you've committed is the child. That's why your mind is conflicted. That's why your soul is torn. That's why your spirit is broken. That's why your heart aches. It's, it's, it, you can say, well, I've made a lot of bad decisions. No, you, you've, you've, you, me, all of us, we've committed sin. But thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. God who is rich in mercy. Who extends himself to us with such loving kindness and tender mercies. Hallelujah. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet in sin, he gave his life for us. Adam enjoyed communion with God. They would talk and they would share with one another. And it was a beautiful experience that they had. And then all of a sudden, Adam disobeys and he, he commits sin and he builds a beautiful doorway for death to enter into the world that God had created. And, and Adam, everything changes in his mind. Like His mind literally was altered by this, this act that brought on condemnation. And God comes down into the garden as at other times to talk with Adam in the cool of the day. And Adam is hiding. And God is like, Adam, where are you? And Adam will not, he will not, he will not bring himself to light. And God said, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? And here comes Adam sheepishly from around, you know, I don't know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or wherever he was. And he's wearing like fig leaves. And God said, Adam, what's going on, man? And Adam said, I, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? I'm hiding because I heard your voice and I was afraid. The first time fear emerges in the scriptures, 
I heard your voice and was afraid. Before sin, it would have read, I heard your voice and I was glad. I heard your voice and I leapt for joy. I heard your voice and I wanted to come running to you. I heard your voice and peace filled my heart. I heard your voice and I danced. I danced. I danced. That's what it would have been before sin. But once sin occurred, his mind was altered and he heard God differently. And when God's voice came, it it was not a voice that brought comfort, but instead it brought, it brought fear. He said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid. And that's the way the world perceives the voice of God. You know it's true. You were there. You know that the first time you heard the voice of God, and, and you could not perceive it, and you thought it was anger. You thought that it was unkindness. A preacher got up and said, repent, and you thought that meant God hates me. No, no, no. It means God loves you. Amen. And so, so who changed? Adam is the one who changed. God did not change. He said, I am the Lord, and I change not. It was Adam's perception of God that changed. It was Adam's way of thinking about God that changed. Sin changed Adam's thinking and his mind, and he could no longer perceive the voice of God. Let me give you an example of how the carnal mind perceives the voice of God versus how the spiritual mind perceives the voice of God. Has anybody ever heard, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's this story in the Bible about Moses when he was standing before the burning bush, and in the burning bush was the voice of God. Now Moses hears the voice of God say, come near to me, Moses. And when Moses draws near to him, he says, take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. Now, let me tell you how my carnal mind perceived that when I first heard that. I thought God was telling Moses, Moses, come near unto me. And Moses starts walking toward the Lord. And the Lord said, ah, watch it. Going to get my carpet dirty. Take those nasty shoes off. Put some socks on your feet. All right, now you can come in. What are you trying to traipse in the whole desert? Were you born in a barn? What's going on here? And that's how I thought. That's what I thought God was saying to Moses. But then I began to hear it in my spiritual mind. And I began to hear what the Lord was saying to Moses. Moses, come near to me. Oh, wait a minute, Moses. Before you enter my presence, I want you to take your shoes off. Now, I know your shoes are important because you're a shepherd. And you need those shoes to protect you from thorns and from thistles and from scorpions and snakes and jagged rocks. But, but, but you're on holy ground now, Moses. There's nothing on this holy ground that's going to wound you. There's nothing on this holy ground that's going to harm you. There's nothing on this holy ground you need to be afraid of. So, so take down the guard. Take down the wall and come on into my presence. Oh, that we could hear the voice of God with our spiritual ear and not with our carnal mind. Hallelujah. See, this is what God came to do. God came to reveal to us who we are. Because from Adam on, there was lost a, an understanding of who we are. We are sons of God. Adam was the son of God. And you and I are to be sons and daughters of God. Of God, children of the Most High God. This is why it breaks my heart when I see a person wallowing in sin. I don't look upon them with disgust. I look upon them with compassion. Because, now listen, I'm not trying to act better than anybody. But with compassion because I know who they are. They are the child of God. And they don't know who they are. When somebody says... If there's a God, it breaks my heart because they're talking about their heavenly father. This is who they are to be patterned after. This is who they are to be a child of. And so God came into this world, into a world that was so full of death and, dis and, and destruction and disdain and degradation. God stepped into this world to show this world who they really are supposed to be. Oh, hallelujah. I can hear David saying, 
when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, the question comes to me and I can't get rid of it. What is man that you are mindful of him? And what is the son of man that you visit him? See, those questions are questions that the world would ask. What is man? What is the son of man? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? He's looking at the heavens, the moon, the stars, the creation of God. And he's beginning to put two and two together and realize we're more important than how worthless we feel. We're more important than how useless we feel. There's something about us that matters. We're not to be wallowing in despair. We're not to be living in fear. We're not to be caving to depression. We're not to be chemically dependent. We're not to be codependent in a relationship. We're not to be tied up and bound up in sin. What is man that you visit him? And what is the son of man that you visit him? And, and this is the answer to the question. You're his children. Imagine if somebody had taken your child and convinced them that you weren't even real. Imagine if somebody had taken your child and convinced them that you were an angry ogre. Imagine if somebody took your child and convinced them about every lie imaginable concerning you. And now even your voice causes them to run and hide. Even your voice causes them to feel like they can have no relationship with you. That's what God was dealing with when he stepped back into the garden and Adam and Eve went running and hiding themselves from his presence so God said I will step down into this world and I will become a man myself and I will show mankind what a son of God is since all mankind has forgotten oh hallelujah understand Understand that when the Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, it's not referring to Him as a second person to God. There is only one God. I said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He said, I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is none other. There is nobody on His left or to His right. He does not need somebody. He said, beside me there is none other he is the altogether lovely he is the all in all he is the wonderful and the counselor he is the mighty God and the everlasting father he is the prince of peace he is the king of all kings and the lord of all lords he is Zion's righteous governor hallelujah I wish I could tell you who he is he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. He is the high priest and he is the sacrificial lamb and he is the one who dwells between the cherubims upon the mercy seat. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he's in my soul. And he speaks to my heart. And he lifts my spirit. And he lifts my heavy burdens. He's a way maker. He's a burden bearer. He's a heavy load. Share. I came to preach, but I think I'll praise him. He is the lifter of my head. He is the anointer of me with oil. Hallelujah. He heals my body with his stripes. I am healed. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep on praising him because when we lift him up, demons flee. When we lift him up, fear is cast out. When we lift him up, hallelujah, addictions and chains of bondage are broken.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the Bible says that because man brought sin and death into the world, by man, sin and death would have to be defeated. That meant somebody had to live a righteous life, completely righteous. See, we think we're righteous because we came to church this morning. No, no, I'm not talking about doing one good thing. I'm talking about no sin. You don't qualify, and I don't qualify. He said, I looked for an intercessor, and I found none. So my own arm brought me salvation. Hallelujah. He's, in fact, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and said to Joseph, the angel had to go to Joseph because Joseph wondered what was going on. He was engaged to be married to her. The angel spoke to Joseph and said, don't be afraid. This that is in Mary is of the Holy Ghost. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And then the angel told Mary, don't be afraid. I know there are some things happening inside of you. You can't figure it all out. But it is in you. It is of the Holy Ghost. His name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. God put himself into the womb of Mary and allowed himself to be developed in this body. The Bible says he was made of a woman, made under the law. He was brought forth, who was God was, as the only begotten son of the living God. Because you didn't know who you were. I didn't know who I was. No man knows who they are. We are to be sons of God when now we are sons of God so he said I'm going to show you I'm going to show you what a son of God is I'm going to show you how a son of God lives I'm going to show you how a son of God treats people I'm going to show you how a son of God is merciful I'm going to show you how a son of God is patient I'm going to show you how a son of God is kind. I'm going to show you how a son of God overcomes temptation. I'm going to show you how a son of God, hallelujah, treats his mother, treats his brethren. I'm going to show you how a son of God lives a pure and holy life. I'm going to show you how a son of God prays. Not only am I going to show you how a son of God lives, I'm going to show you how a son of God dies. And I'm going to show you how a son of God won't stay dead. Look, I know you don't deserve it, and I don't deserve it. We do not deserve it. But behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah! I want you to know that right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Right now, we are to be sons of God. Let me tell you how it happens. Let me tell you how it happens. You see, when Jesus lived this abundant life, this overcoming life, this perfect life, he went to the cross as a spotless lamb. He paid the penalty for all of us. He is the one who is worthy. That's why we say worthy is the lamb. We don't say worthy is the lamb because we think he's worthy. We say worthy is the lamb because he lived the life that was worthy to challenge death. And when he died, died as an innocent human being having been tempted in all points as you and I are tempted yet without sin he went into death hell and the grave as an innocent person and the and death hell and the grave had never encountered anybody like Jesus Because every other body that came down into death, hell, and the grave had sin here, sin there, transgression here, iniquity there, blasphemy here, abomination over there. And all this stuff going on all throughout their life and all this year, that year. And then then Jesus comes down into death, hell, and the grave. And they look at his body and there is no sin in his body. 
There's no transgression in his bloodstream. There's nothing on the record of his life that has any iniquity in it whatsoever. And death looks at hell, and hell looks at the grave, and they all shrug their shoulders as if to say, there's only one thing to do, and that is we got to let him go. Because the only jurisdiction that death, hell, or the grave has over the human body is sin that exists within the human body. So when Jesus comes down into death, hell, and the grave with no sin, they have no legal right to keep him or to hold him. So on the third day, he rose. I said, he rose. Yes, he did. He rose. He rose up from the grave spotless, innocent, blameless. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. He rose up from the dead. They came to the grave, but the angel said, he is not here. He has risen and is alive forevermore. He comes up out of that grave, Brother Colbert, and starts showing himself to them alive. By many infallible proofs, stuff they could not deny. They're like standing in a room one day after Jesus had risen from the dead. After a few days, he had risen from the dead. And they're standing in a room. There's a door over here. Everybody see this door? There's a door over here. They're standing in the room talking. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking up over here. He was not in the room prior to this moment. Jesus comes walking in the room. And, he, and there's not a door over here. There's just a door over here. He walked through a wall. He told them as they, were, as they were fishing, he said, he said, cast your nets on the other side. They had fished all night with nothing. He said, cast your nets on the other side. They put the net down into the same water that they had been fishing in all night long, but on the other side of the boat at the command of Jesus. And when they brought it up, they couldn't even bring it into the boat because the, 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 the net was so full of fish. He showed himself by many infallible proofs. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see the nail prints, unless I see the wound in his side, because I saw that spear go deep into his side. And I will not believe he is resurrected from the dead unless I see those things. And Jesus said, Thomas, reach hither thy hand. Thrust it into my side. Here it is. It's a resurrected body. Go ahead. Put your finger in my nail print. Thomas saw it, and he believed. He fell down saying, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, you see and have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now we call these people apostles of the Lamb because they were eyewitnesses of His majesty. And these are the writers of the New Testament epistles that were given to the church and the gospel accounts. And these are the ones who left that tiny ministry. Jesus did not go all over the world. He came from a little bitty village, spent a little bit of time in Jerusalem. But these disciples took what they experienced with Him and evangelized the whole world with it and were put to death because they refused to say it didn't happen they nailed them to crosses upside down and said you can get out of this horrible torture if you just say it isn't true and they said but it is true we saw it and they nailed them upside down and they boiled them with oil and they cut their heads off. They were sawn asunder. They were tormented and tortured and persecuted. But folks, when you know there's a resurrection because you see the first fruits of the resurrection, you lose your fear of dying in Christ. Ha! So when I preach to you, Repent. And Brother Tyranny said it already. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. What we're saying to you is repent from your sins. Because remember, that's the door that death enters into your life. So shut that door. Seal it off. Repent from sin. Be baptized in Jesus' name. When you're baptized into his name. You're baptized into his name. Into his person. Into his nature. Into his life. Into his blood. Hallelujah. And you are baptized into his body. You know what kind of body that is? It's a resurrected body.
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And that Holy Ghost in you is a quickening spirit. And I want you to know Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. We are not just celebrating his resurrection. We are celebrating the fact that he rose from the dead and what that means. Because it means those who die in Christ are going to rise. I said they're going to rise. I said they're going to rise. Now you can keep believing the death culture of your world, that it's all a fairy tale. You can keep believing the death culture of your world, the suicidal, confused, and demented world that's trying to encourage you to embrace an atheistic frame of mind. You keep believing that if you want to, but God forbid you were not designed to be dead. You were designed to live, and you were designed to live forever, and you might die on this earth, but if you die in Jesus, you won't rise to walk with him in newness of life hallelujah 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 I'm gonna rise I'm gonna rise I'm gonna rise I'm gonna rise on that great getting up morning when all the saints of God are called on home when the roll is called up yonder I'm gonna be there I'm gonna rise I said I'm gonna rise I'm going to rise Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Hey, I'm not surprised when I get on Twitter and I see the kingdoms of this earth shaking. I'm not surprised one bit because the same Bible that told me Jesus rose from the dead is the same Bible that said it's going to happen just like it's happened. I'm not surprised. You, you haven't seen anything yet. Every kingdom of this earth is going to shake and fall. Every kingdom of this earth is going to wobble. Every economy of this world is going to buckle. All of it is going to come crashing down. Every last little bit of it is going to come crashing down. You just hold on to your faith. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Be buried with him by baptism into his death glory so you can rise to walk with him in the resurrection hallelujah every bit of it all of it's going to fall Hollywood's going to fall all of it every bit of it's going to fall you be careful what kingdom you're tied up to because all of it is coming down. The old song said, everything that's not of Jesus shall go down, shall go down. All of it is going to come crashing down. It's happening as we speak. But the body, hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could preach it. Can I take two more minutes? The body of Jesus Christ will rise from the dead. The Bible says it was a prophecy concerning the crucified Christ that a bone of his shall not be broken. It was an Old Testament prophecy. And when they came to the, to the crucified body of Jesus Christ, it was a custom that they would break the bones of those who were crucified. But when they came to Jesus, he had already given up the ghost. And so they did not break his bones, thus fulfilling the prophecy that a bone of his shall not be broken. Let me tell you something about this resurrected body of Jesus Christ. A bone of it shall not be broken. This is a strong, sturdy body that you're getting baptized into. It's going to last when the world is on fire. It's going to stand when the kingdoms of the earth come crashing down. You can't break the bones. Oh, hallelujah. You can pierce it. You can wound it. You can bruise it. You can chastise it. You can strike it. You can smite it. You can afflict it. But you can't break its bones. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I just can't stop praising his name. 
Hallelujah. Glory to his name. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. Paul said, if I die, I die in the Lord. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I'm going to fall asleep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Into the paradise of God. And I'm going to rise. Hallelujah. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. If that's the day you're living for, could you just lift your hands and thank God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and thank Him right now. If that's the day you're living for, go ahead, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me if you would, if you could just stand with me. You see this, you see this tie I'm wearing? This is my Easter Sunday tie. I wasn't supposed to get it wet in the knot. That messes ties up. I wasn't supposed to sweat, perspire, get excited. I was supposed to get up here and preach a pretty sermon and say, have a good Sunday. But see, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, there's a joy that overflows my soul. There's a joy that overflows my soul. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Is there anybody here that wants to praise his name? Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Come on, I know you got plans today. I know that. I know that. But I wonder if you could just take a moment right now and dedicate some praise to Jesus Christ. Nobody has ever loved you like Jesus loves you. Nobody has paid a price for you like Jesus paid a price for you. Nobody. I wonder if you could say, Lord, help me unravel from the kingdoms of this earth with which I am intertwined and help me, Lord, to turn to you. Come on, that's it, church. Just reach out to him right now. Reach out to him right now. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Some of you are intertwined with things of this world and you don't know how to get out of it. Everything from chemicals to relationships. Everything from condemnation to fear. Everything from sinful habits to shameful thoughts. And you don't know how to come away from it. But today you can hear the Lord say, Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. 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 Now are we the sons of God. Right now, you can step into the authority and the dominion of God. He came as the Son of God to make you a son of God. You can't be a son of God simply, simply by hearing it. You have to be born into this family. Born of the water and of the Spirit. Why don't you lift your voice to Him right now and say, God, help me right now. I want to be, I want to be your child. Lord, I've lived my life for other things, but Lord, I'm turning my life to You. I'm turning my life to you. I'm opening these altars right now. Where the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I'm opening these altars for somebody who wants to come and feel the presence of the Lord. Do you need a touch of God in your life? Do you need a touch of God in your heart right now? Just let the Lord minister to you. In the name of Jesus. Beloved, now, right now, right now are we the sons of God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Turn from that sin. 
turn from that doorway of death in your world and say, Lord, I need you, Jesus. Lord, I, don't, I cannot be righteous by myself. I don't know how to be righteous. I need your righteousness. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. As we sing, as we sing, that's it. God bless you. God bless you in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. That's it. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Come on, that's it. There are more. There are more. That's it. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Up from the dead. Come on, praise Him. And raise this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the world. And raise this life up from the dead. Jesus, take it all.